What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. Got to rev them engines. I tried to sound like I'm rubbing my voice up, but I don't know if that sounded as successful as what I thought it sounded like in my mind. No, it worked. Trust me. (laughs) Good. Uh, Well, we hope that this is going to get you revved up because we are talking about the one, the only, Fast and Furious Saga. It is going to be a high-octane level podcast episode where we bring you the goods because we revisited all of these movies. uh, And quite frankly, uh, to give you an idea... Drew, you've seen these films. This is my first time watching half of these movies, but you own these movies, right? I do, yeah. So, I, and you know what's funny is um, last early, I guess, 2020, I rewatched all of these minus fate leading up to what was supposed to be the release of Fast 9. That obviously didn't happen because of the pandemic. So I decided, and you got me hyped up on this because you started watching these and talking about them. So I, I rewatched. Fast 6, 7, and Fate to get ready for this podcast and to get ready for Fast 9, which is finally opening here in the U.S. this weekend. This is what is going to be, as Vin Diesel likes to call it, that the Fast crew or Fast family is saving cinemas. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I don't think he's wrong. This movie (laughs) overseas has already pulled in $300 million. Vin's not wrong. Yeah. It's weird because leading up to this, the main reason that kind of got me in this mindset was really Regal Theaters. I know in the last podcast episode, we were gushing about Regal and how you're now living in the headquarters of, that makes it sound like you literally just broke and you pulled a fast (laughs) family crew. You broke into the headquarters of Regal, but uh, now you're living in literally the city uh, that is the home of the headquarters for Regal Cinema. But I saw that they were doing a Fast and Furious rewatch. Very fascinating how they did that. Every Friday, they call it Fast Fridays, and every Friday they'd play a Fast and Furious movie. And I started thinking, well, I've got time, right? There's plenty of time to build up to the new Fast and Furious film. Um, I would always be that person joking around, thinking, how can someone like these movies? How can they take them serious? Are they really that good? I mean, these movies make so much money. And as you were saying, Drew, that the new F9, or as what we're seeing, the Fast Saga, this is uh, right now predicted to pull in $400 globally this upcoming weekend. And with 
the current domestic release, it's like what, 60 to 70 million that it's projected as well. So it's going to be the highest of the pandemic box office. Uh, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts to think that this will do that. But quite frankly, I can see why after plowing through all of these movies, because they're a ton of fun. I will say I did get to see two of these. I was saving this for this podcast. I did get to see two of these on the big screen. Um, because when they started this originally at Regal, our Regal here in town had not opened up, but then most recently it did. And I was able to, to go and see, um, two of these movies, but, uh, so real quick for this episode, we will talk about the fast saga, all of the fast and furious films. And then we're going to spend some time diving into the fate of the furious, the last Fast and Furious film, the eighth installment. Uh, and then we're going to go over some of our favorite things, including where we rank these films. We will talk about questions that we have going forward. And then also uh, we will do a little game where it's real or fake with Fast and Furious quotes. <laughs> I will say the joy of watching these movies, part of what makes them so enjoyable, it's the quotes, it's the lines, these one-liners that feels like an 80s action film. I mean, there's multiple times in, in each of these movies where they say something that makes me laugh out loud. <laughs> and there are very funny comedies that can't make me laugh out loud. So props, <laughs> props to these people. <laughs> I, yes, I completely agree. Um, when we dive into ranking these, there is one movie that throughout the entire film, and I won't say which one, although Drew, I think you can guess which, which one it is, but there's one of these movies. I had a smile on my face the entire time. And I've, I've, I have to say that has only happened, I think one other time, but the other movie uh, that had a smile on my face the entire time was is the movie Elf. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, that it's funny because going into Elf, I was like in a bad mood. Uh, I know my mom really wanted to see it. She took me to it. I was like a grumpy Mr. Grumpy Pants. I didn't want to go to the theater. I didn't. I was just like mad about something. I can't even remember what now. But then that movie changed uh, my entire outlook and personality for that night. This, going into this movie that I'm talking about for Fast and the Furious, I was in a good mood. And I almost feel, I was 100% sober, but I felt <laughs> like watching this movie, I felt drunk <laughs> on gasoline. I felt like I had just like gotten tanked before going in to see this movie. And I was like in one of those moods, but I was 100% stone cold sober. But this movie felt, made me feel drunk on all kinds of, fun and funny while watching well, that's, so that's good hey you, a little side note i too saw elf in theaters with my mother yeah that um that's that's fun i uh i kind of want to watch these talking about our moms um i kind of want to go um rewatch some of these movies with my mom just to see how she <laughs> would react <laughs> can we say this episode is unofficially sponsored by corona <laughs> yeah. nas energy wife beaters, and of course, family. Family. I, uh, as I texted you once, there's one night watching this, no joke, 
I went and put on one of my white wife beaters and <laughs> <laughs> I walked around flexing. <laughs> you know, we the, the last podcast, I think I joked that in some of these metal fast movies, Vin looks like he's got a little pudge gut. But I'll say <laughs> these last couple, I think he's been grinding because he looks he looks stronger. Yeah. And I think some of this has to do with the introduction of The Rock. It's like he's got to compete. Yeah, the rock looks like an absolute monster in these movies. And he just gets bigger. Years ago in college, uh, one of my friends said, she's like, how I met your mother is like a case study of how Jason Kegel, uh, Siegel's character lost weight throughout that he kept losing weight. In Fast and Furious, it's kind of the same for rock where we see him gaining muscle mass. And I'm talking like around his neck, it seems to grow again and again and again like he's getting giant steroid shots before <laughs> each movie there's a lot to talk about i'm excited to talk about this especially drew since you've now would you say a lot of these movies you've seen multiple times oh absolutely the fast and furious came out when i was a, a weed lad in high school <laughs> and we thought that was like the dopest movie of all time yeah considering that it seems like with each movie they just keep gaining more and more steam and there are building on to their family, the cast list. Um, it's funny you say that. I saw The Fast and the Furious, the very first movie with my dad uh, in our small hometown theater. I really dug it and then watched Too Fast, Too Furious. And that I rented. I rented Tokyo Drift and then I fell off. I just stopped watching them and it got to a point, each one that came out, I laughed about it. I was one of those haters who I was like making fun of it, even though I didn't watch it. And I went back, started with the beginning and going through, I have now a new kind of, uh, a new found, uh, found respect for this franchise and kind of the fan base though. You got to give props, especially to you, for example, sticking with it because pretty much each movie that came out, you kind of treated it like a theater, a big release, right? It was an event release for you. It's something to look forward to. The only one that I haven't seen, there's two I haven't seen in theaters. It was Tokyo Drift and then Fate of the Furious I never saw in theaters because I thought it looked bad. And Furious 7 was so good. You know, this one didn't have Paul Walker that I, I didn't necessarily want to rush out and see it. I do think uh, if, you, if you listen to Vin talk about this, he's so proud of this franchise and he brings up a good point. This is not an IP. It's not based on a comic book or books. It's, he, as he, he puts it, something built from the pavement up. For someone who has turned, it's really turned him in, into a star. Like this, he's known for these movies. It's hard to imagine anyone being Dom and really taking this lead like he has. And I feel like Vin Diesel is synonymous with Fast and Furious and vice versa. I mean, but, there, no one else on earth could play the role of Dominic Toretto. He's owned it and got to give him mad props. And especially for taking the reins for being a producer on these films. And I found it to be interesting where he's talked about how he really wanted the first movie to be a one and done. And then the studio came back and wanted to turn into a franchise and he was so against it. He said, okay. And he's like, I've never been more wrong. So that was fascinating. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. We're going to begin this episode with Fate of the Furious, and that is the eighth film in this installment and in this franchise. We are going to dive into spoilers, so heads up, 
if you have not seen this, uh, we will first start off with the stats and then we will get into dis the dis discussion of this film. And then if you want to tune back in uh, later and find out where we rank these films, uh, you can do so, but uh, let's let's now get into the fate of the Furious. You know what I like about you, Dom? You're a genuine outlaw, but you're family. The hell of a job, brother. When we get back to the base, beer's on me. He's about to go up against the only thing they can't handle. You. Fate released April of 2017. Oh my gosh, it's been four years since we've had one of these come out. Sad Times uh, is directed by F. Gary Gray, known for a number of music videos and movies, including Friday, The Italian Job, Straight Out of Compton, and A Man Apart, starring one Vin Diesel. Forgot <laughs> he did that movie, forgot he worked with Vin. It makes sense that he would do one of these. Uh, along with the usual cast, we have new addition Scott Eastwood as Little Ooh. Nobody, an uncredited Helen Mirren, and Charlize Theron as cyber terrorist Cypher. Cypher. Outside of Tokyo Drift, this is the first movie without Paul Walker, who died in 2013. In late 2014, Universal announced they have three more fast movies lined up. <laughs> and Vin Diesel had this gem of a quote. Paul Walker used to say, an eighth film was guaranteed. And in some ways, when your brother guarantees something, you sometimes feel like you have to make sure it comes to pass. Fate received a number of accolades, including five Teen Choice nominations and two Saturn Award nominations. Sadly, no love from the Oscars or Golden Globes. That seems like a missed opportunity. Oh, no kidding. And then um, we'll get to the box office numbers in a bit. Like I said before, I'd only seen this one time. I revisited it. Did not like it the first time. What did you think first go around? Yay or nay on Fate of the Furious? This was, as you said, coming off of the high of Furious 7. And basically from Fast 5, 6, and 7, these are like a straight shot of NOS to your arm. And it's going, it's riding high. And I have to say this, it's came down several notches for me. Um, in the very beginning, uh, I was like in it, but not like loving it. And it just keeps going down a little bit as the movie progresses. And I have to say, this ranks toward the bottom, and it's just okay. This went up a lot second time around. Interesting. I wonder if it plays better on second viewings rather than whenever you're going into it for the first time. And especially after you've seen some of these movies multiple times and you go in and watch this, because it seems like they dialed it back a little bit and then they hit the gas big time about midway through. And it just becomes so wild and bonkers. But I have to say, it's also another thing. It feels like the direction of the film is a little off, especially comparing Furious 7 the directing of James Wan to F. Gary Gray in this film, it's so different. Mm. I actually think he did really well. We get some unique settings, and it's New York City, which we haven't been to. Mm -hmm. And we get the cold of Russia. Usually these are sunny, hot locations. We get frigid cold. Mm -hmm. Two very smart ideas. I think the New York, I'm going to go on a limb and say that might be 
the best action scene in this entire franchise. Wow. There's only one that comes in, into mind that could rival it, and maybe it does. It's in Fury 7, and it's the big bus on, on the edge oh. of the cliff, and Paul Walker has to escape. It is awesome. And I especially like how we see we're taken to New York City, and that, as you mentioned, is a different setting. Uh, and I think Cypher, or played by Charlize uh, Theron, that it's she says activate zombie mode or zombie. Oh, something does she like actually that. say that? Yeah, something like that. And I should say that F. Gary Gray, there are certain shots and scenes that that look good, but it just seems so different comparing it to Furious 7, especially I would say that a lot of shots in Furious 7 reminded me so much of the Saw movies. For example, we see so many shots that are sped up, like the kill um, sequences of Saw, and it felt like Juan injected that. And I wondered if some of that continued into Fate, but it was done so much that it felt like Man on Fire or Tony Scott movie where we're just so overboard that if you don't do it and go all in, it feels disjointed. But I just say it was not here at all in Fate. And F. Gary Gray kind of took it into his own hands to, to make this. Now, I can't really say what's a signature look of F. Gary Gray, but that was the other thing. After watching Fate, nothing really stood out like the last couple of films where I'm like, okay, that looks like a Lynn signature stamp. This looks like a Juan signature stamp and so on. Um, not saying that there weren't fun scenes because I do think the ice scene was pretty great. We get to see uh, the rock do some pretty fun things, especially the prison scene with Statham. That looks really cool. And then um, whenever we end up getting New York City, that chase scene, that was really cool. So three, I would say there are three pretty awesome action sequences throughout this movie. Uh, it just seems a little strange in terms of how the the flow of the film goes. So even though I will say that it's toward the bottom, I still had fun with it and I still really liked it. A couple questions. Um, Scott Eastwood, yay or nay, in this film, I'll say in this film because- okay. If we never saw that character again, I'd be okay. Here's the funny thing. I think he is saved by Kurt Russell. And what I mean by, even though it's written literally in the movie, multiple times where Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody saves him from like getting beaten up by The Rock or uh, dying from the family or something like that. He's always saved, it seems. And I didn't hate him. I, I dug him. I liked him. But I totally saw that they put Scott Eastwood in there as the young, you know, uh, white guy who's going to maybe replace Paul Walker. But they would introduce him as, once again, a, a federal agent or maybe just this agent of some unknown military secret organization. And then he ends up working for the family. I didn't hate it. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, we've seen this with Paul Walker. I think it's kind of strange that they're doing this in the movie. The first movie we're getting without Paul Walker after his death. And eh, I'm, maybe we shouldn't do that. I'd be like if Mr. Nobody was kind of that character and that's who we focused on, not a problem. Now, granted, I didn't hate it. I, I, I didn't dislike it. 
um, because it's almost like they're trying to get Scott Eastwood to almost take over Kurt Russell's role of Mr. Nobody. And they're trying to set it up so that Mr. Nobody dies and perhaps they pass the keys literally onto Scott Eastwood for any future installments to have spinoff films, kind of like with Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, he's just, it's not a fun character. He's used as like the whipping boy, basically, where he just oversteps his bounds and gets pwned, <laughs> which is humorous to a degree. And then it's like, okay, we th- there's nothing else to this character other than we're going to make fun of him. Yeah. Uh, the bad guy, Charlize, uh, Cypher, yay or nay? I'm going to have to say I love Charlize. And I think she's a phenomenal actress, one of my favorite act- actresses. I think that character brings it down a little bit. Yeah, there's not much to that character. It's not her fault, though. I think she does fine no. with what she's been given. She's an interest. She's it's fun to see her play a role like this. And I think she's enjoying it. It's yeah. just that character kind of blows. Yeah. Which is great news because we got her in Fast Nine. And it feels like fate almost comes off the heels of Seven, where, as you were saying, Eastwood kind of is in this role that may or may not be trying to replace Paul Walker in that type of casting. But then also Charlize is trying to not replace, but be, yet again, a um, kind of just repeating character of what Ramsey is in Furious 7. Because that's more or less bad Ramsey. And... We have Ramsey, who's still in this. Uh, I dug Ramsey. I liked her. But at the same time, Charlize holds her own against Vin when he's like screaming at her on the plane. (laughs) She just stands there and she's a formidable force. Like she's able to like stand face to face and not, you know, bunge. I love that. So she's a perfect person to do that. I, I thought it was okay, but it just, it, felt off it feels off because she needs a muscle the good news is she's back in fast nine or or bad news but the muscles (laughs) john cena she enlists him to be the big bad that's where like i think a lot of fate that what doesn't work even though i do like that they took a different approach and they tried i think a lot of the reason why i dislike it kind of falls on that entire plot line now the main I would say catalyst for this film is we learn Dom mm-hmm. has a child, <laughs> which is <laughs> both like completely absurd and then the most amazing thing imaginable. Did you like the Dom child angle? Actually, yeah, because it's I kind of like- do too. It's just so, this is a massive 200 plus, uh, 200 million plus dollar soap opera. Like we're we're stretching into these storylines that you would see on Days of Our Lives, and it's incredible. It's so strange because we also have this um, Elena who it goes back and forth. Where I feel like if you're a casual viewer and you're not binging these, it may be a little hard when you go back in the theater and like, who is this again? Like, did you ever have a moment where you're like, wait, because her hairstyle changes in each movie. Was it kind of difficult to pick up the pieces and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That She was Dom's love interest when Letty was <laughs> when apparently Letty dead. She she has Dom's baby, which we didn't know about. It's a secret child um, because Letty comes back. 
and she didn't want to tell him immediately. And it's like, there's this weird love triangle that isn't a love triangle because she's just like, it's okay. I want you to be with Letty. That's your, if I could be with my husband who died, (laughs) I would. And there's this weird love triangle, but in in the way you like eliminate that sadly is she has to have her brains blown out, which is (laughs) literally (laughs) a disappointing end. And it felt like they had no other way to get around it because they didn't Mm. want to deal with this weird love triangle. Yeah. She was kind of a letdown. She always felt like kind of a, a a side hustle. But yeah, I that actually kind of I enjoyed. And it's like, how do you end up holding Dom something over his head to bring him back and to get him to go against his family? <laughs> that I thought was like a pretty solid thing that I was guessing like they got to do something pretty big. Like they've taken his family hostage, part of his family, something like that. And so that works. I think you only get... Dom to go against family by using family. By using, so, I like it. It, it, was, it was a genuine shock that when we learned that he had a kid. Uh, I do wish one critique I have on this film one, it's a little too long. Mm-hmm. And then these movies have gotten so big that all the plots revolve around stopping a global threat. And I almost wish we would rev it down a notch or two. And I know these are all, it's always personal stakes when you're, because it is built around family, but does every film have to have some global threat? It's like God's eye in one film and then God's (laughs) eye is not as important because we have this other thing that can just wipe out humanity. Mm -hmm. I kind of, they are car versions of James Bond, it feels like. Mm -hmm. I agree that fate is a little too long. I, Especially weirdly enough, the the final action scene, I love that. Really, and I that that's when it starts to wear on me. No, no, that's a problem where I think it does drag. So especially the race, it feels like literally a short film. It's thirty minutes of the ending of this. It's them racing from one end to the other, and it's like by the amount of time it took them to race, they could have made it across a country because <laughs> it seems like they're just going so fast. But do you also love how the final action sequence ends with Dom facing possibly his demise and then the entire family comes together and they block the giant nuke missile blowing up and they block the fire from overtaking Dom by putting the cars in front or between Dom and the explosion. And the explosion. And what's I think amazing (laughs) is it mirrors earlier in the film when... They're in New York City. They've launched these wires onto Vin's car to stop him, and they've got him surrounded. They're trying to hold on to family, and he's trying to escape. And then <laughs> they they kind of like inverse it at the end, and they save him from the explosion. It's it's remarkable. That's it's <laughs> it's so good though. I love it. And weirdly enough, that is the charm of these movies. There's something that is baked in that it makes you love the absurdity. And you are in it. And well, that's that's like the thing. If you you used to make fun of it, and if I told a stranger who had never seen these, some of the things that happen in these movies, they would say that sounds like the stupidest movie of all time. <laughs> but when you are invested and you've watched these films, it it changes everything that you've watched, just like yeah. Paul Walker's ending. It kills me every single time. And it's because by movie seven, I'm completely invested. It's kind of like that scene where we've got the family shooting and tethering themselves onto us. We're tethered to this franchise. Um, 
let's now segue right into the Fast Saga and more specifically the Fast Saga questions. First and foremost, Fate of the Furious is the first film that we get, as I mentioned earlier, uh, after Paul Walker's death, that this movie does not have him. Does this movie work or not work with the absence of Paul Walker and how that's explained? I can't. I had this realization after I watched Furious 7 again. And part of the reason I don't think fate works as well, one is because you can't do it with Paul Walker, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the ending, I think, for Fury 7 is so good that it would have been a perfect ending for this franchise. Yeah. They obviously can't do it. It makes too much money. But I, I think that bleeds into why fate doesn't work as much for me. It's because the ending for Fury 7 is so good. There's something interesting. You said this uh, a while back. And we were just chatting. This was before I got into watching these movies and I, I feel like it was at the end or around the time that fate came out you mentioned that paul walker kind of grounds these movies to reality i never realized how true of a statement that is until watching all of these movies from the beginning because it seems like that character really brings that down to earth whenever dom is kind of like this larger than alive character and we have the rest of the family, and they're just propelling this to the strat- through the stratosphere. Paul Walker is kind of the, the one who makes this seem tangible, that a lot of these things are possible. Well, speaking of being someone with, uh, being kind of on another planet, on another plane, we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who's added to the cast in Fast Five. Best or worst idea? I could understand why Vin would absolutely hate this. By this, you know, by Fast Nine is like the Rock has blown up, and he's in a lot of ways the face of the franchise. Uh, I still think it's a wise move because he's like a quote machine, and if you find him entertaining, he's basically his wrestling persona amplified by a thousand. I completely agree with all of that, but I do think it was a great idea to add him to the, this franchise because. He adds so much to this. It's hard to imagine the movies from Fast Five on without The Rock. Like, he just adds something to it. He mixes in his rock ingredient, and it just makes it so much fun. And especially Furious 7, there's, like, the scene of him taking the giant... um, the, the giant gun that's on the helicopter itself, he picks it up, and he starts shooting it <laughs> it's so freaking insane but it's awesome so favorite new addition to the series as mentioned we've got the rock we mentioned scott eastwood we mentioned jason statham you also said helen Mirren, charlie Theron. uh we've got luke evans gal gadot and then kurt russell uh who's your favorite of those i mean statham rules you know, I, I especially love what they did with his character. And um, I have to say, I love, freaking love Kurt Russell. And especially in this franchise, adding him. And especially Mr. Nobody. There's so much that's like, is he good? Is he bad? Is he in? Imbe- it's kind of like that Guardians of the Galaxy quote uh, from Star-Lord, where he's like uh, a little bit of both, good and bad. And He's good. And he seems to be having fun, which I appreciate. He's just hamming it up. It's and, just like embrace whatever you're doing, yeah. even if it's super stupid. Have fun with it. I was a little bummed because while watching Furious, I'm like, oh, great. He's going to freaking die. 
I know it because I don't know the outcome. I didn't know he was in fate. And then um, it gets to the end and he lives. I'm like, thank goodness. We need more Mr. Nobody because I think he adds another element to this that brings in ridiculousness, but also makes it seem where it's likely something like that may be a little possible. Now let's play casting director. What big name actor actress would you like to see join the cast? Would they join the Fast Fam or be the next big bad? This is hard because there's so many big names and I feel like I'm missing somebody obvious. But wouldn't it kind of be fun if we had Brad Pitt in one of these movies? Ooh, yeah. I could also see him having a lot of fun. Do you think he'd be a bad guy or would he join the fam? Um, I would choose bad guy. I don't know why, but it seems like he could be fitting. And I would love to see the addition of Bradley Cooper. He's like a younger guy. I think he would rule as a bad guy, kind of like in the movie uh, War Dogs where he plays this um, arms dealer. Mm -hmm. um, but he is kind of, maybe there's a war or, or, or something like in that movie, but we bring it over to this franchise. I'd love to see him as a bad guy. He would look great, good and I think he would also ham it up. Favorite main Fast Fam cast member? And we're going to include, obviously, Paul Walker in that. I would say Paul, my fave. But I will say close second. Um, and I don't know if this is controversial, but I find him quite entertaining. Tyrese is Roman. Love that dude. <laughs> He's good. He's awesome. Um, it's hard for me to imagine this franchise without the one and only Mr. Vin Diesel himself. It's just... Hey. You couldn't do it. I mean, yeah. he is the most important piece. And, you know, I think whenever Too Fast, Too Furious came out and then Tokyo Drift, it's like they realized that the really the meat of this series, the engine that holds it all together is really Dominic, Dominic Tretto. And I think Vin, um, when I hear the words Fast and Furious or Vin, I think of this franchise uh, and him as just being connected at the hip. What about some of the uh, the stats of the Fast Saga? As we said, this is uh, we're on movie number nine with Fast 9. We've had one spinoff. It started way back in June 2001 with the Fast and the Furious. Uh, five directors have helmed a movie, including Rob Cohen, John Singleton, James Wan, F. Gary Gray, and Justin Lin, who has done five of them, including Fast 9. The budget of the first film, a measly $38 million. It racked up $207 million worldwide. Too fast, the budget went up to 76, and jumping to fate, $250 million. Think about that. From 38 to 250, Fast 9 <laughs> north of 200 as well. Some uh, box office notes, Furious 7, leads the pack with $1.5 billion worldwide. Makes sense because it is Paul Walker's final film. Mm. I think people were interested to see how it ended, especially because he died in the middle of shooting that film. Mm -hmm. uh, Fate is the second one that topped $1 billion. Tokyo Drift marks the low point, only $158 million, which I guess I understand. And let's go to the Rotten Tomatoes score because I, I think this is interesting. Very few franchises run this deep and also start out with kind of mixed reviews, dip even further down, and then rise to where some of these later Furious mm -hmm. films have gone. 
uh, number one on the Rotten Tomatoes score. And again, you take this with a grain of salt, but I do think it's interesting. Furious 7, 82%. Uh, number two is Fast Five with 77%. Number three, Fast Six, 70%. Number four, Fate of the Furious, 67%. Wow. Um, number five, Fast Nine, currently, as of today, 66%. Oh, that's going up and down. I could see that jumping above 70%, which would put it as the third highest um, wow. before this movie comes out because it was at 63% earlier today. By the time we started recording this, it jumped up 3%. The original Fast and Furious, 53%. Uh, landing number seven, Tokyo Drift. This shocks me. 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez. Way too low. Number eight, Too Fast, Too Furious, 36%. And when the gang reunited for Fast and Furious, which is the fourth film, 28%. And then if we're counting Hobbs and Shaw... It's actually number four on the ratings with 67%. That's fascinating. Let's now talk about where we would rank all of those movies on our own list. Let's, uh, well, what's your, your number eight? Fast and Furious, which is the fourth film. It's so weird going back because I remember, as you mentioned, the very first film, it is so, uh, so unique because it holds kind of a special place and in my mind for going to the theater because I remember loving it and watching all of these movies, I have to sadly put the very first film at the bottom of the list. But don't you have to give it credit for creating this whole thing? Oh, absolutely. That's, and I was going to say in a, try not to be funny here, but it sets a foundation and there are certain things that without this movie, we would not be where we are today. And I do love that it starts where it is. It This franchise literally begins with street racing at its core and those hustling and stealing DVD players. <laughs> I know, it's so dated. <laughs> and it is it is dated. And in, also, in a good way, though. I mean, it is yeah. very much of 2000, 2001. But I also kind of like that. It is a product of its time. And... I, I like that it's kind of a time capsule. It feels like the one movie in this franchise that is a time capsule. Um, number seven, this is the one I think is underrated. Too Fast, Too Furious. Not a super great movie, but I kind of like that it's the Paul Walker show. We're introduced to both Tyrese and Ludacris' character, um, characters that have you know stuck with us through the rest of this franchise. And... Like the first one, this is kind of an outlier because it is very different from these later films. I, I too, agree that that is underrated uh, big time uh, and gets gets some hate as well, which um, I, I can see some of it. Uh, number seven. So I went from the first to the latest before F9. Number seven, I have to put Fate of the Furious. Interesting. I have that as number six. So we uh, flip-flop with our six and seven because I've got Too Fast, Too Furious at number six. Numero five. I have the original, the Fast and the Furious, the OG. Interesting. Well, that's where I put Fast and Furious, the fourth film. The reason why, I like that they return to the cast. Um, that's kind of like them realizing, okay, we need to bring back the OG cast. Uh, I do like this kind of whodunit mystery uh, crossing the borders, all that. I think that a few things, especially with that storyline, doesn't quite work or doesn't quite entirely hold up. 
Um, but that's where we meet for the first time Gal Gadot's character. And I kind of dig that. Um, but yeah, I think Fast and Furious, I have more fun with it than I was expecting to. Numero six, this is the one that had the big drop. I had this number one, it went to four. Fast and Furious six. Ooh. The 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 last scene just goes on too long. Still one that I like a lot, just it slipped a little bit. That's where I'm putting what I keep reading is like one of the best or or viewed as the best on a lot of film fans' uh, pages. But we've got Fast Five sitting at number four for me. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I, I really like the addition and them kind of jump-starting the franchise and going in the direction that they, that they did. But I just had a lot of fun with this movie, this is where we start getting into the loves category, but I can't quite say I've like full heartedly loves this as I do with three through one. Yeah. My, my top three are definitely love territory. Numero three also underrated. I think in a lot of ways though, I think people have come around this one. It's Tokyo drift. Mm. It, it does feel like it's kind of a cult. It's, it's garnered more of a cult following. Sitting at number three for me, I have to go with Fast and Furious 6. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the Shaw storyline. when they, As soon as they said Shaw, I was expecting this to be Jason Statham, by the way. And then when we see Luke Evans, like, oh, uh, I don't know anything about this movie. Uh, a lot of unknowns. This is where I'm being hit with a, a lot of things that I remain surprisingly spoiler-free for Fast and Furious 6 and then 7 and then 8 for the most part. And that's where I started to have a lot of fun with these movies because it was hitting me and I didn't know what direction they were going to take, especially with Letty. I, I kind of dug that. She was like the Jason Bourne of the franchise and her character's been rebooted. I liked it and I, I was on board and I think this ended up being kind of a crew that we have as... I think it was Tyrese pointing out, it's like, okay, Shaw's crew literally <laughs> resembles our people. crew. <laughs> uh, numero two, Fast Five. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, number two, uh, this is going to be very controversial because I feel like so many people um, dislike this movie and it's Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. I just love the as you had mentioned the different place i like that it's in that we have different characters also enjoy that it is scaled back at the end of the day we go back to street racing and at its core that's what it is is a street racing movie and it literally plays into the title of tokyo drift if you don't know how to drift you're done and i love that idea of that's in the setting of tokyo crowded city how can you race and what are you going to do and it kind of raises the stakes because it's like imagine the amount of people that they would kill if, <laughs> if they just did it wrong yeah and um i i dug that and i especially dug at they bring dom back at the end this may i may fluctuate and change and, and drop this on my list but as of now i love as you said it's nice to dial it back We've got like the, this franchise going this Mission Impossible Bond style direction, but it's nice that it goes back to its roots with this movie. Uh, and that's why it's so high on my list. So you and I both have Furious 7 number one. Yeah. It's Paul's final film. Like I say, every time 
the ending wrecks me. And I know it's going to happen, but I hear the piano. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come along. I just love it. It's just, it's simple, but it's such a perfect shot to end the film. And it's a highway that breaks into two. Mm-hmm. All goes one way. Vin goes the other. And I love the closure with that character. A part of me wishes that would have been the end because it would have been so perfect. Do you do you love the the overly cheesy just stares of Vin and Paul at the very end? No, or, I mean because it is a love letter to to a friend that they lost. Yeah, I like you said the ending is just so perfect and it could work as a franchise closure moment. It's just you know roll credits. That's it. Um, that's so good and. It was weird because during the bus scene, whenever we've got Paul Walker and he's in that giant fight scene, which is awesome. Um, I, in that moment, like, oh my goodness, this is the movie where Paul Walker passed away in the middle of it. And from that moment forward, it changed my viewing because I then saw it as what we got at the end. It's a love letter. Like, are we going to see more tributes to Paul Walker and how do they treat his character going forward? I thought they did it so gracefully. Uh, they really did that with a lot of respect, but they they sent him off and, and and really made it about his legacy. And I love that so much. And this movie overall, Furious 7, it's just like, this is a movie that I said earlier. It had a smile on my face the entire time. I was laughing. I was clapping from... <laughs> I was literally that guy that I, I think that. people thought I probably hated it, but I was loving it. And I have to say, this is the first one that I got to see on the big screen too of this franchise back, I should say back in the theater. And it was so good. It was so worth it. Um, and the, like from moments to Vin stomping the concrete and it crumbles <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> m- moments of the rock flexing and breaking out of a cast. It's just like, it had me laughing and I felt like such a, an idiot while watching it, but I had so much fun. I've not felt like this watching a movie and for so long. That made me realize how great these movies are to watch in the theater. And that was like kind of a feather in the cap of me saying, now I get it. I've went through all these movies and I get to this. And even though I was on board with it, Getting to that movie was like, to me, that's when it clicked and it registered full heartedly. I fully support the the Fast Fam and the fan base because this is awesome. Before we finish with ranking, where does Hobbs and Shaw, that spinoff, fit into your rankings? Does it fit in the hmm. high, middle, or low tier? I'll say middle of the pack. I, I would say mid to low. Like it's in that range, kind of close to fate. It's, it's pretty close to fate. Now, here's something we've been talking about for a while. Fast quotes, real or fake? Hobbs, you want to catch wolves, you need wolves. Let's go hunting. Yeah, uh, yes. That is uh, correct. Real. Uh, Riley, played by Gina Carano. I got you five minutes with this guy. Hobbs replies, I only need two. <laughs> Definitely real. 
Hobbs is a quote machine. I love it. He's got this one. He also tried to put me in a body bag too, which is why when I get out, I'm going to put a hurt on him so bad. He's going to wish his mama had kept her legs closed. (laughs) Absolutely true. Because when that was said, I burst out laughing. (laughs) I also want to say these are a PG 13. (laughs) Don't know if I'm going to add bleeps or not. Just a warning. If you have kids, we got some language coming up. Letty has this quote. Klaus, aren't you team muscle? Don't make me come over there and make you team. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. It was, and that was in Fast and Fury, or no, it's Fury Six, right? That's that was real. yeah, the one where they have the doppelgangers. Yeah, Roman, why do I smell baby oil? Hobbs, you keep running your pie hole, you're gonna smell <laughs> kicking. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's so real. I'm just going to spoiler warning. The next two are legit, but they're my two. These these are my two favorite quotes from movies six, seven, and eight. Hobbs says, "My day just got a whole hell of a lot better, Mister Nobody. You want to tell me why you just put me in a room with this tea and crumpets eating criminal some bitch?" <laughs> <laughs> and then my absolute favorite quote, and I don't fully understand it. But Lucas Black's character says, when you find the guy who killed Han, what are you going to do? And Dom replies, words ain't even been invented yet. (laughs) 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 And I love how Dom says that with such like a serious look on his face. I'm told he reads this like it's Shakespeare. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, Looking ahead, obviously, mm. we have Fast 9 coming out this weekend. Interview with a- Entertainment Tonight Canada. Vin says, Fast 10 ends the saga's story, but it's going to be broken up into two films. Vin says that's the studio's idea. Vin says the franchise has a soul, <laughs> and that soul, quote, has to rest. <laughs> <laughs> so we have three more of these to look forward to. He also implied this is the ending of this saga's story. And I would imagine more come, but it might be different. I think Vin's going to be involved until the day he dies. Yes, he will. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Fast 9 a whole lot more than I was um, prior to rewatching Fate. Super stoked. Um, Before we go, real quick, how are you going to see this film? Because the Regal in town, we have a nice one. I can either see this in IMAX, which is tempting. I can do the 40X, which is like when your chair moves and they blow smoke <laughs> and water and all sorts of crazy stuff, which sounds, I've never done that before. That sounds absolutely perfect. That's awesome. For a Fast and Furious film. So I'm debating on that. They do a version where it's like a theater where the they say the screen and audio are better, better than a traditional auditorium. I'm really tempted. I think I will. I think I'm going to do the 40X because I've never done it. And if you're going to start, why not start with a Vin Diesel picture? (laughs) You know, like there's no other movie that's going to top it. That's that's a good point. I think that is the way to go. I want to see it on an IMAX so bad, but the IMAX in town here blows chunks. (laughs) It's not that bad. The other thing too is you get... They're doing some Jurassic World Dominion like Ooh. 10 minute preview or something. And you got to see it in one of the, like an IMAX or something to get it. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, really tempted to see it on the IMAX. I may end up going that direction because well, I need Vin. Like that. I, I think that the, the old the IMAX in, in Springfield is, yeah. uh, I never had an issue with that one. And that that's my favorite screen slash auditorium in the AMC here in town. But I mean that um, that theater blows. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. you, used to enjoy going there, but it, it got really bad. But the IMAX is all. I, I've always thought the IMAX was pretty nice. Yeah, that that's pretty solid. But I I want my van as big as I can get him. So I think IMAX <laughs> it is. Since you watch any interview with him, and he he says stuff that makes you laugh because you can't believe a human being is talking about that. <laughs> In, in regards to a Fast and Furious film, but he's so genuine about it that I cannot do you anything but him. love the dude. How much, all right, I was going to ask you, before we go, final question from me. How much does this make you want to watch Bloodshot? <laughs> I mean, I already wanted to see it, but yeah, I do need to, I do need to see that. And weirdly enough, I kind of want to revisit the Triple X films. I saw that first Ooh. one in theaters and literally almost walked out and jumped in front of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Just to end my life, but I kind of want to go back and watch that third one because it's it was when he comes back. The return. And I saw I saw bits of it on TV today, and I'm like, this is his James Bond. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about Fast being a, a Bond franchise. I think Triple X is his, it, that's like his Bond franchise for sure. And I'm tempted to watch those again, but that first movie blows chunks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's not good. But like you said, after watching this, I kind of want to go on a giant Vin watch. And I feel like going Bloodshot, then working my way down Triple X, and doing some uh, Pitch Pitch Black or the um, the uh, Riddick series. Um, I may do that. Yeah. I, I do think he's uh, just think that the part in Saving Private Ryan that he played, Spielberg literally had that written for him. Because he was so enamored by Diesel. So, uh, I don't know. I I am excited for Fast 9. We're going to cover that next. I love it. I'm so ready. And, um, yeah, film fans out there, until next time, keep watching. I do plan on sneaking in some Coronas. That's the only way, as he said to Mr. Nobody, I'm not drinking anything else, but you got some Corona I'll take at. Love. Family.